I'm your host, Scott Peckford. This is the show where Dustin Woodhouse and I answer your questions. Whether you have questions on how to build or manage your mortgage business, this is the show for you. Today on the show, Dustin and I talk about when is the right time to hire an assistant, and we also talk about what do you do when a client won't provide you with your credit report or something you need in order to get your job done. I think you're going to really enjoy this. It was recorded live, so if you notice that we had some conversations with people that were tuned in, so if you're part of our Facebook group, you can actually catch these live, um, and that's on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Before we get started, I want to thank today's sponsor, Ask a Broker, sponsored by Lendesk. Lendesk is a mortgage technology company based out of Vancouver that has built an origination platform specifically for Canadian brokers. Lendesk removes the headaches of assembling an application with your client. Think of it as the ultimate CRM and deal management tool. They're pre-launch, and I'm helping them refine the platform, and I can tell you it looks awesome. If you'd like to get early access to Lendesk, sign up with me at lendesk.com to stay in the loop. As for the cost, let's just say it's going to be an easy decision. This is going to be a game changer. How's it going, Dustin? Good, Scott. How are you? Good. So I'm locked to my desk. You're moving around. You have some lovely earrings in. So you want to tell me what it is you you're wearing there? Uh, those the new AirPods. The so new Bluetooth AirPods wireless earbuds that I'm sure, sure Apple's going to make millions on as people have one fall out down a sewer grate and then have to go buy another pair. Oh, totally. Do you know that I read somewhere Apple has enough cash in the bank to buy every major league sports franchise and still have money left over? That's with cash. Money, it's crazy. Hey, we, we we were just talking about that beforehand. Money in the bank. Money in the bank. Money and so bank. what we're doing is we're decided to try this ask a broker format live. That way, if you guys are online and you're in Facebook with us, you can uh, jump on and ask questions, make comments, uh, and then we'll turn it into a podcast at the end. So why don't we start with the first question, which uh, we both have uh, seen numerous times. And so basically it's when do you hire an assistant? So I want to hear your thoughts and then I'll put in my thoughts and We'll kind of bat this back and forth. I think the, well, the real answer is one of most brokers hired an assistant long after they should have, uh, way too late, right? So when should you hire one? Probably the moment you start thinking, maybe I should hire one, that's mm -hmm. when you should be hiring one. And you probably should have hired one even before you even had the thought about it. Because it isn't really a chicken and egg question. It's pretty straightforward. If you hire an assistant, you will expand your capacity and you will fill that capacity and you will do more business. Right. An assistant will make you money if you're doing the right things with that freed up time. Absolutely. The biggest struggle we have is, I mean, for people, for brokers who are familiar with the DISC personality assessment, you know, we're all Ds. If you're a broker, you're pretty much a D. You're a control freak. You think you know how to do everything right. I know I do. I know I think I know how to do everything better than anybody else can do it. I mean, Angela, who I, I refer to more as a business partner at this point than an assistant, I mean, we've been working together for seven years. She'd be the first one to tell you, like, I suck at letting things go. Mm -hmm. No, I never got that from you at all. Like from our conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you want to hire an assistant. That's a good point. So one of the things I learned from this uh, coaching group out of the US is they use a disc profile and you should do your own disc profile. Tony Robbins has a great one. It's free. You just go on. Have you done that one with Tony Robbins? Yeah, I've, I've done that a couple times over the years. Yeah. And it's uh, pretty accurate. And then what you should do, your assistant should not look like you. Cause if it looks like you, then they're probably going to want to pass you or replace you. And if they have a high D, which is that drive, they're absolutely going to be like, you know, you're only, they're only going to be around for so long. And so I've heard some owners or people, I recruit somebody, they come learn all my stuff and then they leave. Well, you hired you. And so that's right. of course you would do the same thing. It was, you're not only, so you can't come, you know, argue about that or anything. Right. 
So the other part is uh, in terms of hiring assistants. So I've also heard that around 60 deals. So it's more to do with units than it is to do with volume because units create time. And so when you hit the 60 unit mark, that's when it starts to kind of go, okay, I can now at the point where I can, you know, invest in that assistant and I'm actually going to be able to do 100 units instead of 60. So I think that in terms of if you're trying to decide, but you're right. And, and one of the two biggest mistakes people say to me all the time in the shows, one, I should have started a CRM sooner. You've got like this killer CRM thing, an Excel spreadsheet with like 80 fields, but it, you have the data so you can find it. You start the, they, the two things they say is I should have started a CRM sooner. The second thing they say is I should have hired an assistant sooner. There's nobody who says the opposite because they just realize that yeah. increases capacity. And so what, any other thoughts on that? Um, well, not to drift onto CRM, but like why I have that ridiculous Excel spreadsheet is is exactly that. I think it was Sean Cush uh, from Invis uh, was at a meeting that I was at very early, like my second week in business. And he said, it doesn't matter if you have two clients or, you know, 220 clients. If you don't have a CRM system, at the very least, open an Excel sheet and start typing their names and some of the basic data into some fields. So at least one day when you actually adopt a CRM system, you can upload that data easily. Have you, so one day, you still haven't adopted anything but that spreadsheet? Yeah. So, you know, nine years later, I, I have everything in that spreadsheet. So one day when I adopt a CRM system, I'll be able to upload it. But it's worked out well for me so far. Right. And you can find everything. So I think that's important. And then another thing that I've heard too, which I, I'm a firm believer in is when you're thinking about your assistant is you write small checks to cash big checks. And so your assistant is, you know, not a, not in, in one sense as a small, if you, with that extra capacity, if you go out and sell more, you're going to build a bigger business and you'll, they'll definitely pay for themselves. So that's my thoughts. Anything else? Any last final words on yeah. that? Well, I think, I think the people first, they struggle with uh, where do I find an assistant? And I usually say, look around you in the office you're working in, uh, talk to other brokers, because in my opinion, the assistants that I see who work out the best for the longest, they're already licensed, they've already been brokering, and they understand, like they've walked a mile in our shoes. And so when they see the big check, they know what's involved in getting that big check and they're happy that they're getting what they're getting because you know you, you hopefully agreed on something mutually beneficial but they don't tend to you know obsess over the gross commission that flows in because they know what's involved in actually making that happen mm -hmm. and uh, so <laughs> i'm watching sorry i'm watching a comment pop up i don't know if you can see them on your end so this is a new app that we're experimenting with and it's like uh, Scott Dominic Nazareth says, Hey, great quality. Thanks, Scott. Craig Vetter's like, Dustin, you're making me dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. It's like spin. Yeah. Um, that's hilarious. Okay. But anyways, if you guys have a question you want to ask us though, cause we've got another question. Then if you have a question, throw it in there. And if we pop it up, we'll, you know, we'll, we can, we can bat it back and forth. So why don't we move on to the next question? So this is when I saw in the Facebook group and I thought this would be an interesting, I know your answer was pretty quick, but I think we should do a little more talking about it. So what do you yeah. do if someone refuses to sign a credit bureau? So you got these sort of, you know, obstinate, difficult clients and in your, uh, and here's what, I, here's what I want to set this up. Cause I know you're going to just say, move on next, but what if somebody's new and they're like, Hey, this is one of my few deals that I actually get to work on. And I want to, you know, I, I, I want to be able to still keep that deal. If you, when you have tons of deals, you will just push them away. But what about the new person who yeah. doesn't have stacks of deals? What do you say to them? Yeah. Okay. So, so fair enough, fair comment, right? I mean, when you have five, 10, 15 files a month closing, it's still difficult to say no. Learning how to say no is a, an acquired skill. It took me a long time to learn that. But it gets easier. But 
what happens is in those early years, you take anybody on, like anybody, and you'll do anything for them. And so when they don't want to sign a credit bureau or when they want to black out the SIN numbers on their NOAs or, you know, they want to give you all these other redacted documents, like, you know, it's like some CIA movie. You sort of try and find ways to work with it. And you ask underwriters for exceptions and you'd go to bat over and over for this person, this crazy person, because you have to have all this information. You can't, you know, complete the file without it. And so you wind up spending a lot of time chasing these things. And the thing is, when they don't want to sign the credit report, uh, when they don't want to sign a client agreement, when they don't want to give you a notice of assessment with a SIN number on it, uh, when they're blacking out things on their bank statements, those are all really big signs of what is to come. Like Mm -hmm. this client isn't going to get easier to work with. Not suddenly going to be roses and rainbows once you get through this little black cloud. It's just going to get stormier and stormier. So you really are like, yeah, my short answer when, when we were offline was next. Like, you know, you don't want to sign the credit report bureau. I can't help you. Goodbye. And and I believe technically by law, client is not required to give us the SIN number. But technically, there's no law that says we have to work with that client. And there's no law that says a lender has to give that client a mortgage. Right. So is there money at the end fine. of the day? Yeah, it's fine. You don't want to give me your SIN number. You don't want to sign authorization to release. Like, no problem move on down the street. I can't work with somebody like that. So like I say, really, no, I don't think there is a different answer. I mean, I think that you do your best to explain why you need it. But if they're they're not going to give it to you, what can you do? I mean, you can't do much because if you send that file to certain lenders, those lenders are going to automatically pull a credit report. They're going to assume that you've already got consent. Yeah. Correct. Right. So there's Mm -hmm. certain lenders. I mean, Scotia pulls their own internal credit report, but it shows up as a hit on the client's credit bureau. And then they're phoning you saying, hey, how come Scotia's pulled my credit? I didn't give you authorization to do it. Scotia doesn't have authorization. Right, right. What I'd say is it's like you say to me, hey, I want you to make me a professional suit, but I can't give you my measurements. And so without your credit report, I have no idea, especially in the current marketplace, um, what pricing you're going to look at. And how can I properly quote you? They say, or come over and you know, give me a quote on painting my house, but can I come measure it? No, no, you can't look at my house. So it's the same thing. Like at the end of the day, the customer has to understand it's part of the whole, their lending profile and we need it in order to do our job. And if they don't want to give it to us then we just, you could hard stop, sorry, I can't do anything, you know, move on, but try to educate them to understand. Cause some people are just, some people are, some people are obstinate and difficult. Some people are just simple and they just don't understand things. Right. They're just, they just that kind of simple client that doesn't get that. Like they'll say to you like, Oh, Back when I got a mortgage, all I needed to do is go into my bank and I basically like smiled and they gave it to me. And you're like, so you're educating them on the fact that it's not like that anymore. They don't just throw money at you because they had a relationship with you. Yeah. And and, and you're right. So it's not, I don't want brokers to go away thinking it's like this hard stop one word answer because it's not. I mean, it, it is about educating the client, explaining, empathizing. I understand that you don't want another inquiry on your credit bureau. Why? Right. Go, go to the ask why three times thing. Why don't you want another credit inquiry? Oh, well, because I have already had several. Oh, well, why is it that you've had several inquiries recently? Well, we were shopping for a truck and we didn't realize they were going to hit our credit report six times. And then we found out that was driving our credit score into the ground. So we don't want another hit right now. Ah, well, that's a different type of inquiry than a mortgage lender inquiry. And they're weighted differently with Equifax. My mm-hmm. score isn't going to drive yours, your, your credit score. Or my inquiry isn't going to drive your score that much further into the ground. That ask why three times is really mm-hmm. important. I mean, you know, why that's, do you I think that? what it boils down why, to. Why do you ask that? 
<laughs> then I'm going to do it to you right now. <laughs> but why? Yeah, no, but why? Like, really? Like, yeah. tell me why. <laughs> yeah, because you, well, and I'm happy to play the game because, yeah. because then you start to get to the heart of the real issue. Right. It's right? true. No, I want a Bronson in her office. I don't know if they were her words or not. In fact, I'm going to email her when I'm done uh, with this and, and ask because I've been meaning to ask for a while. She said something really profound recently, though. Uh, to, to our group, she said, you know, if everyone could take a moment and look into each other's hearts and see what is happening in our hearts, we'd probably all treat each other a lot more kindly and with a lot more respect. Right. And so I think I, you sort of need to think like that when you're on the phone with a client. Right. That's true. You don't know what's going on in their life. I actually think I got one last little thing that I want to chat about. So I had this newsletter that I send out or to my clients VIP club and somebody has been on there. One guy's on there for like four years and then one day he just replies to my email and he's like, take me off your list. I would never use you for a mortgage broker. And I'm like, oh. and I'm like, dude, I sent you like, like so much emails. And we, you know, I thought we had a, and so at first I was very hurt by it, but then I realized I'm like, wait a second, I don't know what's going on in this guy's life. Cause all of a sudden after three or four years, he somehow doesn't want to hear from me. Um, he could have hit unsubscribe, but he just was really particularly <laughs> mean about it. But he could have been going through separation. Like, who knows? Somebody could be dying in his family. So he has this stress and all of a sudden something irritates him and then he blows up. And I don't, instead of me taking it personally, I just go, hey, I don't know what his situation is. And, you know, I, instead of me making it, it's not a personal thing. Well, yeah, we all have to be cognizant that uh, Canadians don't tell the truth, right? We lie like crazy. How are you? I'm fine. Oh, okay, how come you're going a different direction? Oh, well, it's because of this. It's not really because of that. There's some whole other thing going on that they're just not right. going to tell you about. Because we're when I say we're liars, what I mean to say is we're super, super polite. Right. right? How do we you make a Canadian each other. story? You know, oh, I'm you know sorry. To, I don't know. You know how? <laughs> step on their foot. So if you, if you're, it's yeah. true. If you're, you know, Tim Hortons and you step on a Canadian's foot, they'll always say, Oh, I'm sorry. My foot was under your foot. But if that's yeah. an American, that doesn't happen. But anyway, okay. This yeah. is the end. So any, uh, somebody, Ann Lynn said, Hey, she did say that. So that was Alona that said that. Alona said that first. So oh, oh, it was Alona. I wasn't sure if they were her words or not, but yeah, great words. Great words. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah. Okay, so we, uh, we're going to be done here. Thanks, guys, for checking this out. Next time, we'll, you know, we've got the bugs worked out now that we know how this thing works. And um, I'm Jack. You can do it again with me, Dustin, or what? 100%. I'll try okay. not to walk around quite so much. Okay, that's good. Uh, that's good. Okay, thanks, guys. All right, ciao.